Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everyone. This edition of the Patriots Report is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season, and we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs, basketball, MLB, NHL, hockey, right to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options in your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Make sure you use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Today on the Patriots Report, it's NFL Draft Analyst Joe DeLeon. We talk about what stood out for each of us when it came to New England and the draft. Which one of the draft picks has the best chance of making an impact in 2023? Is there a diamond in the rough when it came to some of the Patriots' late-round picks and some of the biggest surprises across the league? That's up right now in the Patriots Report. All right, Joe, a week later, we're sitting here talking about the Patriots 2023 draft. Give me your initial thoughts. We can get into specifics down the road, but let's start off with some of your initial thoughts about how they did. Yeah, I think overall they had a a well-rounded draft. I I don't know if I would put them in that upper echelon of the elite drafts, and I I don't know if I'd be as disparaging to say that they belong in the lower category because they, they did fill a number of their needs. I loved what they did with Christian Gonzalez in the first round. That's tremendous value of where they were able to select him. And I I think a lot of people thought that Gonzalez was somebody who was going to be gone by pick 11. He is that talented, explosive of a corner coming out of Oregon. I also think he fits really well with what we know has created successful defensive backs in New England. I I look at guys like Stefan Gilmore, who have similar physical profile, not a one-to-one comp, but tall, long, fast, uh, checks every box, physical. I really do think that Christian Gonzalez is going to be very, very strong in this in this New England defense. But as we move on to the rest of the draft, though, like I'm not the biggest fan that they didn't address receiver earlier. Like that for me is is my my biggest concern. It feels like what we're used to seeing with Bill Belichick, where if he sees a defensive player somewhere in his vicinity that he kind of likes or he liked ahead of some of some of the receivers. He's going to attack one of those one of those other players. He did that with Keon White. He did that with Marte Mapu, which again, I like them as prospects. They're fine prospects, but to not address receiver with all of these concerns with your offense coming into the upcoming season and with how much of a, a issue it was last year, I really wish they did draft one of these guys somewhere on day one or day two. But again, they're just going to have to try it out there what they have and, and hope that Juju Smith-Schuster is, is going to provide a boost for their offense. You mentioned Gonzalez. Where did you have Gonzalez going initially? And it sounds like you were surprised that he ended up falling to New England. So I had him as my third-ranked corner behind Joey Porter Jr., but just from hearing how everyone was attracted to what Gonzalez brought to the table, he was the biggest performer out of any of the defensive backs at the NFL Combine. And that was enough to push him into that top 12 conversation, into that highly talked about conversation as him or Devin Witherspoon as the first corner selected. So him making it outside of that top 10, that was not super surprising to me, 
because the way that the board fell and a lot of edge rushers and offensive tackles went early, but it was surprising that he made it that far and that the Patriots were able to get him. And I'm sure that Bill was surprised. Bill Belichick was surprised that he was available that late. Who was your favorite pick? And which one of the guys maybe was your least favorite or maybe not your least favorite, but let's call it your biggest head scratcher. Yeah, my uh, my favorite one was Marte Mapu, the Sac State linebacker safety hybrid. He didn't get invited to the NFL Combine, which was really surprising to me. But I think that he fits with what a lot of NFL teams are looking for uh, in the modern defensive back that can come down and play in the box. And, and we've seen these these types of players in New England before. And I think that as creative as Bill Belichick and the coaching staff is with deploying these fantastic athletes, they're going to have a lot of fun with, with Marte Mapu. Mm -hmm. He looked so good at the senior bowl and he was a late add to the senior bowl. Like he wasn't an initial roster guy in the senior bowl. I believe he was an NFL PA guy that got the call up after he had a good week. He does everything you need in terms of coming down and playing against the run and I also think he's a really underrated coverage player, too. So if he's somebody who has a really surprisingly good rookie season or by his second or third year is an important player on this defense, I wouldn't be shocked. He really does give me a lot of confidence that he fits exactly with what uh, New England has looked for to create successful defensive players. If I had to bring up the, the head scratchers, it's it's drafting a kicker and a punter. And mm -hmm. Being a, a former long snapper, I, I am the biggest supporter. I have to say this before anyone thinks of being a hater or anything, but I'm the biggest supporter of specialists in the NFL and, and guys being successful and getting opportunities and getting drafted. It's fun. I'm disappointed that no long snappers were drafted, but my issue with taking one as early as they did and then taking both positions, I think that you can find a lot of really quality starters as UDFAs or in the late seventh round where mm -hmm. they could have addressed either of these positions more often than not. And we know this from Justin Rowasser, who was drafted a few years ago, who I know, Justin, I'm a big fan of his. I played with him. He didn't work out. And oftentimes when we draft these guys, if their head's not where it needs to be, they're not comfortable. They get in their own head. They fall into a slump. You just wasted a draft pick. So I, I'm not the biggest fan of drafting these specialists early. I know that Bill Belichick loves to do it, I just don't know if that it's going to produce the results that uh, that he's hoping for. Ryland was the highest specialist ever taken by Bill Belichick, and and that says something about really? a guy. Who, yeah, and that says something about a guy who obviously, clearly, and we've talked about this before, who loves specialists taking a kicker in the fourth round. Look, you, you got to be damn sure about this guy, and so I'm going to be interested to see how he develops. In his introductory conference call, he mm. talked about loving kicking in the weather and the wind and the rain and the snow and, and all of that. And he basically said all the right things, but it's going to be interesting to see when we get into October, November, December, how he responds. Yeah. And I, I, that makes so much sense as to why Bill Belichick likes the guy who's, who's talking about playing in the conditions and he's coming from a, a relatively similar climate. So th that's something that comes into the factoring here. And I just, I'm so wary that all it takes is, is a one slump for a kicker, especially to, not get the results that you're hoping for. And the thing that's that's hard where it's it's not like a backup quarterback that you draft and it's like, oh, this guy doesn't work out and we can just kind of keep him on the roster and see how he does in a couple of years. You can only hold one kicker and one putter on your roster. So if one of these guys is having a rough go for a couple of games, you have to cut him. You have to move on. You have to bring somebody else in. And again, then you're wasting that draft pick. I think them addressing depth at other positions would have been more important. But 
I'm hoping it works out. I, again, I'm supporting all the specialists. I hope it works out. It's just a, a little early for me because it, it might set them up for uh, a lot of pressure. I want to circle back around really quickly, if I could, to Marte Mapu. He, the closest comp that I could think of, and maybe this is just through a New England lens, was Camus Grugier-Hill, who was drafted by the Patriots a few years ago, ended up kind of making his bones in Philly. I think he's in Houston now, but a little bit of an undersized linebacker, but a fast guy. Now, the upshot with Camus Grugier-Hill was they tried to get him through to the practice squad. They loved him. They tried Mm -hmm. to get him through the practice squad. He was obviously, you know, taken by, I think, again, I think by the Eagles, ended up going on to have a really good career, not a great career, but a good career. This guy feels a little bit like him in that he's undersized, he's got special teams experience, he could do a few different things, and he's fast. I'm trying to remember his first name, but there was another Patriots defender who was kind of played this hybrid role. His last name was Phillips, I believe. I'm I don't know why I'm blanking on my on his first name. But I know there was Jordan Richard, who was maybe, a kid out of Stanford who played a few different positions, including special teams, and yeah. really didn't kind of find a role in New England. But it does. It, it feels like there's a couple of guys like that over through the years. Right. Those hybrid defenders that yes. he goes after, who can play a little, can play maybe a little defensive back. Little, you know, kind of a big safety in the box, as you mentioned, a guy who can kind of run with some running backs and tight ends, but a guy who can also hold up and run support if needed. Yeah, and I'm going to end up remembering who I'm thinking of after we finish. But but I also love the the comp for Jeremy Chin here with him. And Mm -hmm. I feel like after Jeremy Chin had that great first year, everybody was talking about like, wow, we got to go find our next Jeremy Chin. He's going to be such a problem. And his second season wasn't as loud as the first one. It wasn't as exciting. But I really do think that there is so much value in having a player like this on this on, on your roster. I think after Chin's first season, there was this expectation that if there's someone similar in draft classes that they would go early. But I think for someone who is more rotational and isn't going to be every single down as a sub-package player, getting them on day two, late on day two, is tremendous value. But I, I think that the description you had for him – hits the nail on the head. He is going to cover linebackers effectively. He's going to do really well against the run. Having those hybrid types of players in the modern NFL is very, very important. It feels like in looking specifically at the Patriots draft here, that when you consider New England's depth chart and you consider some of the areas that they addressed, this feels like a draft that is almost about guarding against expiring contracts at the end of the 2023 season as opposed to maybe helping out when it comes to the 2023 season. Is that a fair assessment? Well, we we know that Bill Belichick loves to do this, where if he doesn't have to pay somebody and he's got somebody in the wings that looks good enough, <laughs> he's going <laughs> to try and set himself up as, as well as possible. But I, I think that the one strategy I did like is that they were very aggressive in drafting as many interior offensive linemen and offensive linemen in general just to fill out the depth of the offensive line and I I feel like over the past couple of years what has hindered New England at times but isn't talked about enough is when there are injuries along the O-line who steps up and who do they have to replace them and by throwing a, a bunch of darts against the board with as many picks as they had they now have that depth and I again those later picks that they spent on all those O-linemen I think is going to be uh, really strong and then advantageous for them to to round out the rest of their roster. Which one of the picks, and I'll assume it's one of the first three guys, has the best chance of making a really substantial impact in 2023? 
Oh, it's absolutely uh, Christian Gonzalez. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not in the defensive rookie of the year conversation by the by the end of the season. And I know that there's a lot of talented players that he's going to be competing against, like Will Anderson or Devin Witherspoon. But for him to play in a defense that fits his skill set skill set effectively, for the hopeful expectation that they're competing for the division, if they're doing as well as I think people hope, Christian Gonzalez is going to be an important part of that. He is. I think very al already could be the best corner on this team. And if he hits the ground running, he's got everything that he needs to be successful. Hopefully there isn't too much of a learning curve of him making the jump, but I really do think that Christian Gonzalez is going to have the biggest impact out of any of these rookies. We've talked a lot about the first day, first uh, couple of days, the, the guys that they took there, as well as the, maybe the head scratchers on day three with the specialists. Give me a guy on day three who has a chance to make his mark on this 2023 team, there, there's a couple of names for me that kind of jump off as, as as potential contributors when you're talking about 2023. Yeah, I think that talking about this this 2023 class, um, I, I really believe that if we're talking about day three, sorry, I just had something pop up on my screen. Um, if we're talking about day three, though, what I, I think that Again, I'm, I'm really obsessed with a lot of these offensive linemen that they went with. I'm a really big fan of City Sal and also Antonio Maffi. Uh, I think that there's a lot of value with both those picks. But one that's also underrated, and I, I almost completely forgot, was um, amongst this class, getting Keishon Butte where they got him, mm -hmm. an LSU receiver who has had a lot of problems off the field. I think that, that Butte has everything in his arsenal to be a productive receiver. And if he somewhere out of nowhere has a really strong rookie season and is a nice piece to this offense, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility because we've, we've seen Bill Belichick do this before. Take a guy, and if he's willing to take a guy that he knows has mentality issues and commitment issues, if he's that enamored by the talent, I think that he thinks he has a capability to get that talent out of him. And if anyone has that first round capability, it's Butte. He has every ounce of that to be um, a productive number one receiver in an offense. It's just a matter of how committed he is. Where is his head at? Is he getting distracted off the field? And New England is a great spot for him to not get distracted and then maybe develop into the receiver that he's capable, capable of becoming. Two more questions about the day three guys. Jake Andrews is a guy who, for me, feels like he has the chance if everything breaks uh, you know, a year or two down the road to to be a contributor, as well as Sal, who really looks like he has some positional versatility. And I know that's been a huge thing for the Patriots under Dante Scarnecchia along the offensive line, but it feels like that could be his calling card and maybe an entry into a, a larger role in 2023. Yeah, I think Andrews is a was one of the more interesting players in this process because he's coming from a small program in Troy. I don't know if he works his way into the rotation. Uh, admittedly, I was a little bit disappointed with the way that he played at the Senior Bowl. A lot of times when you have these guys who are coming from small programs at the Senior Bowl, kind of like Cody Mock was one off the top of my head who, who did really well. You just want to see them show up with a tenacity, with, uh, with aggression in these drills. And I, I thought that Andrews got beat a little bit too much for, for my liking. He does have some good traits. I, I think that he's got some decent power, but... Overall, realistically, with the current grouping of guys, and especially with all the guys that they did draft, like I mentioned with Sal and, and Mafe, it might be a bit of an uphill battle for him to work his way into the lineup uh, at that center spot. I also think what gets a little tougher 
for him is that I don't know if he's got the positional versatility to play other spots. So realistically, he's going to be uh, lining up at that center position. All right, let's go league-wide here. Give me a few teams who you believe crushed it and then a couple of teams who really kind of swung and missed. I, I have to believe that in the former category, you're going to put Houston, Philadelphia, and maybe a couple other teams. And, and, and then I'm curious to find out who you think maybe didn't do so well. Yeah, I am really excited. You mentioned Houston. You mentioned Philadelphia. But I'm really excited about what the Pittsburgh Steelers did. They were in a position where they're starting off young. They are starting over a quarterback, and Kenny Pickett was fine in his first year, and I think there were some ups and downs, but protecting him with Broderick Jones is important. But all the defensive players that they drafted on day two, for me, were fantastic steals. Getting Keanu Benton, who is going to be an every-down defensive lineman for them. Getting Nick Herbig, who's going to be a fantastic uh, rotational edge rusher, is going to be very uh, pivotal for them. And then on top of that, Joey Porter Jr., I think is a day-one starter at corner, and is going to be very impactful as a rookie. That team in a couple of years, I think, could retool and be back where it was. Uh, maybe not as offensively potent because of uh, Kenny Pickett's just not as talented as Ben Roethlisberger was coming out, but they can certainly get back to where they were based on a lot of these picks that they made. I did not like the Dallas Cowboys draft class. Uh, I was very, very underwhelmed with the, with the Cowboys draft class, and – it started with a, a bunch of reaches that they had. Mozzie Smith in the first round was a very heavy reach for me. He was a day two pick, uh, a space-eating defensive tackle that isn't really a three-down rusher for a team that scored, I think, 12 points in the playoffs for them to not address offense earlier. And then their way of addressing offense was taking Luke Schoonmaker, who's a blocking tight end, who's not going to provide any impact as a receiver. I don't know. I just think that there were a lot of reaches in that draft pass, and I think that, that Dallas really swung and missed uh, with that that whole grouping, what was your biggest surprise over the whole three days? What what was what stood out to you the most that maybe you didn't anticipate going in? Yeah, the linebackers falling as far as they did. I, I really did not think that there was going to be um, as much of a drop for the linebackers. I thought that guys like Drew Sanders and Trenton Simpson were going to go early, and they went in the third round. They're going to be potentially impactful rookies, but for whatever reason, the linebacker position, the positional value has depleted significantly. A lot of teams think that they'd rather just wait until later on that they can get similar value in a linebacker if they go on day two rather than pulling the trigger in day one. But it ends up kind of working out in this way now where they wait and then the talented explosive athletes end up being available where they are. But yeah, I, I was shocked. I think that we're slowly pushing in that direction where linebackers are just not going to go in the first round anymore. I'm glad you bring up Pittsburgh, too, and I want to kind of circle back around to that really quickly, if I could. Is everyone going to regret passing on Darnell Washington? I think so, and we're overthinking it because of the injury stuff, as we always do in this process, but I don't know if Darnell Washington is ever going to be a high-volume player, but I think with Darnell Washington, he fits nicely where he's the second option to Pat Fryermuth, mm -hmm. and he's such a good blocker. They love running the football in Pittsburgh. That is another player who is a fantastic fit amongst that that draft class that they have. That whole day two that they had was phenomenal. And I think that all of those players by their second year are going to be so, so important for them winning the AFC North if, if they're able to get in that, that conversation again. All right, last question for me. Who's going to be the first pick in 2024? I want to go with Caleb Williams. And I think that the debate is going to be for Caleb Williams. But I do think Drake may 
at the final stages is going to edge him out. Just like we overthought and overanalyzed some of these other guys, I think some teams are going to be turned away by the personality of Caleb Williams. Mm -hmm. He is so talented. He is the closest thing to Patrick Mahomes that we've ever seen. He is so prob such a problem on the field to deal with because he is so improvisational. But again, very strange personality. He the whole nail painting thing, the way that he perceives himself in the locker room, and the way that he perceives himself off the field. I wonder if some NFL teams aren't more attracted to a guy like Drake May, who doesn't have those types of high, uh, headlines that come up about him. All right, Joe, tell people where they can see you, hear you, and get in touch with you on social media. Uh, yeah, you can catch me at Joe DeLeon on Twitter and at the First Team Pod on Twitter as well. Chris, really appreciate you having me on. It really means a lot, and I'm sure uh, we're going to connect again soon. Sounds good. Take care, my friend. We'll talk soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. One more reminder. This episode of the Patriots Report has been brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.ag is your number one choice for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs. Basketball, MLB, NHL hockey, right to UFC, and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.